0: This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Classic Gaming Brothers. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast. And you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D. B-E-A-N. Head over to Podbean at www.podbean.com for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free.
1: Check it out. Are you tired of mediocre rulers? Introducing Ramsey II, the Pharaoh of Pharaohs. He built monuments galore, allegedly, and mummified his enemies in fear. Order now and get a free scarab beetle souvenir. Ramsey II, ruling like an Egyptian has never been cooler.
0: Hey, paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show! (laughs) ¶¶
1: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, That's right. That's right.
0: Yes. We are.
1: Always classic, sometimes classy. That's true. Hey, we're gonna be at PAX next month. We are gonna be at PAX next month. We'll be going to PAX, and if you find us in PAX, uh we'll give you a prize.
0: A vigorous handshake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i'll give them a prize so if you find us we'll be wearing our classic gaming brothers merchandise which will have our faces on it and we will look kind of like what we look like in our t-shirt but now zach has glasses he's like clark kent of the classic gaming brothers
0: and when i take them off i'm actually superman
1: or you're zach from the classic gaming brothers anyway so if you find us so here's the challenge if you go to PAX and you find us and you approach us and say, I listen to your show and I like it, I will give you a prize from my bag. I don't know what the prize may be. It may be a, a sticker. It may be a pin. It may be a business card. It may be <laughs> some junk. We'll think of something. Whether it'll be a, a creepy post-it note with a steam key scribbled on it, which is definitely a legitimate way to give steam keys out, or perhaps a, um some junk. Uh, we will give you a prize. But you have to find us at PAX, which is going to be difficult, and you're going to have to approach us and say that you listen to the show. That will also be difficult. Uh, you also can Cannot be traveling with us. Uh, we will probably, if we remember, we'll do a little prepacks as we usually do, where we talk about the things that we're excited to see. Mostly when we grab the vendor list, uh, we kind of squint at it and then we kind of think about the games that are going to be available. So we'll talk about that. And then we will probably. Do a post-packs pod. Zach's going to bring his recorder again because that was a lot of fun and made the episode really easy because we did the work of the episode at the show.
0: Yeah. Made it very easy to edit.
1: Yeah, because then we just sliced in raw data. We will be working the floor, as it were, meeting with independent devs, and possibly seeing friends that we've interacted with before, possibly meet new friends, yeah, and possibly meet people that we've met before and have forgotten.
0: As they say, we'll make new friends, it'll we'll keep the old, some are silver and the others are gold.
1: <laughs> that's right, that's right. Sometimes I have a poor memory, so uh, and I like meeting people, so that works out, because then everybody I meet is someone new.
0: Anyway, Seth, what have you been recently playing unrelated to all of this?
1: Yes, though your game is actually related somewhat to all of this. Mine isn't. My game, what I've been recently playing is Portal. Portal. Revolution which was released on January 6th of 2024 and in it is a it's a portal mod where they introduce a brand new story with original characters spanning over 8 hours of gameplay and featuring 40 new challenging test chambers and there's a they introduce a new mechanic which I haven't discovered cuz I just started playing it's fun if you like portal which i do uh so it's more portal there's no co-op in it which makes me sad because i think part of my joy of portal is is co-op and zach and i were playing some co-op games recently uh um, actually he were we were playing uh Crusis, which is a left for dead clone set in a 1970s spaceship which i have thoughts about yes i've recently been playing portal revolution that game is great that's a gold standard game and I'm pretty sure it's free if you have Portal 2. So if you just want more portal, just go get Portal Evolution and just boot that up and start playing. It's great. Let's talk about Anacrucis for a little bit right now. So Anacrucis is a Left For Dead clone that Zach and I played. But instead of zombies, there's they're aliens. But they're like I don't know, they're like socially awkward aliens. I feel oh, like Oh
0: yeah, they very much are.
1: This, they're like the socially awkward aliens that like somebody pissed off them at one point in time and they're all just bum rushing you. I think the game is fun. I think the issues I have with is the, uh, the the world's a little empty. I think the ship is just a little too big and is a little too empty. I think if they shrunk the ship down a little bit, maybe brought up the encounters a little bit more, uh, the game could be a, a lot more fun. I think it was not challenging until it was too challenging. I think I, I don't think that's a good balance. I think very easy until you die is uh, it fine. But it wasn't... I would have preferred like a ramp up. And I also think that we also got sloppy at the end. But anyway... That's my uh, my two recently plays. Zach, what about you? What have you been recently been playing? Seth, recently I've been playing Superliminal with you. Oh yes, I recall. Developed
0: back in 2019 by Pillow Castle Games, Superliminal is a puzzle game that uses uh, force perspective and optical illusions as its gimmick. The idea being, for example, if your way is blocked by a very large, let's say chess piece, and you click on it from far away, you can bring it closer to you and the chess piece is smaller. (laughs) Um, So you do things like that, like really making use of force perspective to get through different areas. Um, Like one puzzle is turning a small block into a big block. So you can get up to a slightly higher doorway or turning a small piece of cheese into a ramp so that you can get into a section. There's just different stuff like that. And it is a very interesting puzzle game. It actually reminds me a lot of portal, um, which is fitting as Seth was playing portal, just in the sense that the storyline is you're in this facility and you're going through these tests and you're advised to like follow the nature of the test and if you deviate from the course the game gets mad at you but it's a very fun game it's got some fun humor about it but Seth and I were playing the co-op mode and let me tell you the co-op mode is something entirely different it did give me a bit of a headache though because Seth decided he was going to keep picking me up which caused my camera to spin in circles and every time that happened I got a little dizzy but the co-op mode I feel it was interesting playing levels that were designed for single player with multiple people because obviously those early levels I don't think have incorporated co-op really well into them. At the same time though, there are apparently dedicated co-op levels that you can play um, that there were a few that were added in. So maybe we can revisit it at another time.
1: And there's also a battle royale mode.
0: There's also a battle royale mode, which I'm very curious about. And um, it is up to four players co-op, which sounds like chaos. I can only imagine four people trying Trying to play through this game, like trying to get things picked up or just picking each other up and being obnoxious.
1: I, I said that your game is a little bit similar to what we were talking about because the first time I saw Superliminal was
0: at PAX. Yes. And you had talked about Superliminal a while back when you had played through a bunch of demos. Yeah, I think
1: it was a byway pass. I think it's been a recently played for me. The co-op stuff is all new. The multiplayer stuff is brand new to it. I think Zach and I, we we're, were filtering our games that have co-op and multiplayer. Player to figure out what game we were going to play together and we saw that superliminal showed up on that and i said what and we opened it up and in fact said multiplayer new and we said this is gonna be great and guess what it was <laughs>
0: It was kind of like if you had opened your Steam account and it saw like Stanley Parable multiplayer and you were like, hold on. <laughs> like, that would be odd.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, I so I like Stanley Parable. And I think it's a great game and I like Stanley Parable too. But I feel like Superliminal is more chaotic.
0: It is way more chaotic, yes. I, it just, it has that very similar tone to things like Stanley Parable. And speaking of chaos, that's a good segue into today's episode. Today we're talking about one of those things that we do where we... Cover a video game adjacent thing. The producer is taking a nap so we thought this would be an opportune time to dive into a topic that I personally have wanted to talk about and kind of a theme of things I want to talk about so hopefully we can kind of continue on this and maybe cover a few more similar stories and that is the Super Mario Brothers Super Show television series and affiliated series of mario themed tv shows from the 1980s so going into our memories i'll start off because i don't have any i didn't grow up with the super mario brother super show it aired in 1989 and i was born in 93 it wasn't syndication around the time i was born but i wasn't watching anything when i was zero so and by the time i was old enough to be watching tv it had either been off the air or we just weren't getting the channels where it was still in reruns i have watched episodes since i remember renting i think it was a dvd or a vhs tape of episodes of super mario brother super show and watching the animated segments it was like just the animated segments i think it was a, a vhs tape but then also i had a dvd that i got for free in like a box of cereal with like animated episodes from the super mario brother super show and an episode of heathcliff the like cat that's not garfield but looks like garfield like he's an orange cat with stripes but he he doesn't like lasagna. Uh, There was also a period of time where the Super Mario Bros. Super Show was on Netflix and I watched it a bit with my roommate back in college. And I I got a kick out of the episodes, especially the live action segments, which we'll get into. It felt like I was watching some alternate universe where Mario was never a video game character and he was only a very weird sitcom. That's what those live action segments feel like. They have laugh tracks. They have bad humor. It's everything. Um, Seth, do you have any memories of the Super Mario Bros. Super Show?
1: Yeah, so the the Super Mario Brothers Super Show was in syndication when I was a child. Um, it was not being regularly re-released because it was over, but it, it was available and was playing on certain channels I recall the intro of it with it being like the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and the memories of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and the memories of the live action movie kind of blend together in my brain and I really don't know which is from what um, I know there's more cartoons in the Super Show but there's still live action portions but if you showed me like the Mario Brothers plumbing shop from the Super Show and said that it was from the live action movie I'd probably believe you
0: (laughs) fair enough we'll talk about the movie also at some point too because i have a lot to say about the super mario brothers movie it is a it is a trip
1: not and not the chris pratt movie the no 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 not the not the the 2023
0: movie the live action movie from the 90s that had like a mad max production designer involved on on it and like a blade runner art designer
1: so i feel like They did the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and then they did the movie. So at some point in time, they said, wow, this show went pretty well. Let's do a movie.
0: Well, they did three shows and then they did a movie because the movie came out in 93 and they had three shows between that. So yeah, at some point they were like, this Mario, man, we can keep churning these out. They'll keep going. But they
1: had different Marios at each one, didn't they?
0: Uh, We'll get into that. But there's two animated shows that came out after the Super Show that had the same voice actor for Mario and Luigi.
1: Who was also the live action voice actor? Oh, no
0: only in the super show is it lou albano and danny wells um in the two other shows that came after super show they recast them they're the only two they get recast too i'm pretty sure
1: wow so the others get to maintain their characters
0: yeah like the it's the same voice of bowser it's the same voice of uh toad uh peach might have been recast too
1: i wonder if it was like the people who were expensive got recast oh definitely <laughs> they're like we're not paying you to do this <laughs> we're gonna pay someone else that's right. money I'm to, to pay someone
0: who is uh not a uh, professional wrestler who is a wild man
1: but then and then he's not the same guy in the live action movie not
0: in the movie no in the movie it's bob hoskins who is a who was a british actor doing a fake uh, brooklyn accent
1: what's great is mario is not only a fake brooklyn accent mario's accent is like a like an italian stereotype
0: yo yeah like well like the mario the game character is doing like yeah a literal like italian stereotype
1: (laughs) it's an italian stereotype and so then what ends up happening with bob haskins is he's a british man pretending to be an american who is very italian
0: (laughs) yes yeah very much so now to get into the history of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, in the 1980s, if you had a licensed property, there was probably a cartoon based on it. Movies like Robocop, Rambo, Ghostbusters, Toxic Avengers, they all had animated children's shows.
1: And, like, the animated cartoons versus the source material were vastly different.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Toxic Avengers is a gory, violent film with, like, blood and guts and everything. And Toxic Crusaders is a goofy kids show (laughs) and then like Rambo was made into a children's show and like people get blown apart in those movies. There were also of course as we know cartoons made to sell toys. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was made to sell toys. He-Man, Transformers and obviously video games got the same treatment. One of the earliest of these shows was Pac-Man produced by Hanna-Barbera which ran from 82 to 83. The Pac-Man show was actually a success and helped really lead the way for future shows based on video Game and arcade properties. Now, for some time during the 1980s, the CEO of Deke Enterprises, Andrew Hayward, lobbied Nintendo to get the license for Super Mario Bros. Deke had previously dabbled into adapting games to the small screen. In 1984, they did a cartoon based on the arcade game pull Position that ran for 13 episodes. Despite pull Position not necessarily being a groundbreaking success that remains in our zeitgeist, Andrew felt the need for Super Mario Bros. as he felt it was a nice worth turning into a children's television series. The plan was for a project called the Super Mario Bros. Power Hour, which would be an animation block consisting of other shows based on Nintendo properties. This was also similar to another show created by Ruby Spears Enterprises called Saturday Supercade, which featured segments based on various arcade games like Frogger and q Instead of arcade games, the Super Mario Bros. Power Hour was going to adapt not just Mario Bros., but also Metroid, Castlevania, The Legend of Zelda, and so on. Of the properties that were proposed, the two that did receive adaptations were The Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Bros. Despite not having dedicated shows, Metroid and Castlevania would have their characters incorporated into another Deke production, Captain N the Game Master. The show would premiere as the Super Mario Brothers Super Show in September of 1989 in syndication and would star professional wrestler Captain Lou Albano as Mario and Canadian actor Danny Wells as Luigi. They not only voiced the characters, but they also played the characters in live-action segments that would go before and after the animated portions of the show.
1: Lou Albano loved the idea of playing Mario. In fact, so much that according to an article about the show, From the website The Ringer Producer John Grust recalled Lou Offering to legally change his name to Mario He also shaved his iconic beard live on TV To promote the show Now, Lou Albano though, was also a professional wrestler And had quite the personality As much as shaving his iconic beard is a big deal Especially live on TV Where else would he shave it? Because of his kind of exaggerant personality, like I—if he shaved it privately, then I don't think he would be Lulubano. <laughs> <It's just like, laughs> right? Yeah. Now Gruss does note in the same article that Albano was very hard to direct as he basically is just playing himself, but his professional wrestling experience did mean he was able to do a lot of the physical stunts and he probably incorporated more physical stunts because that's what he was used to. I imagine he would have been fun, but also pure chaos. So it's a Super Mario Super Show. So your plot's probably not super intense, but if you did have a plot and you wanted Lou Albano to accomplish that plot, you better hope that he wanted to accomplish that. Per Lou himself, before shooting an episode, they would be told what the plot of the story would be and then he and wells would just improvise the dialogue (laughs) so like i said Hopefully, he wants to accomplish the same goals. Uh, The Super Mario Bros Super Show has an interesting format. It's structured like a variety show, with an opening being a live action segment featuring Mario and Luigi in their Brooklyn apartment. They often were, were visited by characters like Santa Claus, Dr. Frankenstein, Inspector Gadget, Mikhail Gorbachev, who I really hope actually guest starred.
0: It was a person playing Mikhail Gorbachev, sadly.
1: And occasionally, they would meet celebrities like Magic Johnson, Ernie Hudson, In Sergeant Slaughter or Elvira. I imagine getting any sort of wrestling personality on a show with Lou Albano was probably pretty easy as Lou probably just called them up and said, hey, can you swing by? The live action stories had plots revolving around the celebrity guests. One episode, for example, is about the Mario Brothers helping Cindy Lauper find Captain Lou Albano. I mean, I know Captain Lou Albano was your hero and role model, but don't worry, I'm sure he'll turn up.
0: Gee, I hope so. He was the nicest guy in the world. Come in.
1: Hi. Oh. How are you, Cindy Lauper? Yeah. I've been passing these
0: flyers out all over town. I was supposed to meet Captain Wu Albano for lunch, for a picnic. And all I found was these. Oh,
1: rubber bands for his beard. <laughs> so Mario being played by Captain Wu. Albano lives in a world where Captain Lubano is in fact missing bringing the Mario's missing game to a whole new level. <laughs> I do like that that this could be a this could be a new a different setting for the Mario's missing game where you in fact play as uh, Captain Lubano looking for Captain Lubano and you're during your quest to find yourself you find museum artifacts. <laughs> Right, yeah. Now,
0: after the opening live-action segment, the show would transition into an animated story featuring Mario and Luigi in an adventure in the Mushroom Kingdom, usually with Peach and Toad tagging along.
1: Yeah, so, like, I remember as a child that I liked the cartoon part of the show better and did not like the live-action show. So if a portion of the show was live action I didn't particularly like it and I didn't really know who these people were uh but then the cartoon was fine and I watched I liked the cartoon
0: let me tell you that was a very common consensus from what I've heard now after the end of the animated episode it would cut back to the live action Mario and Luigi who would be carrying on with whatever was happening with them and they would resolve the plot in their story um so to clarify the story in the animated segment had nothing to do with the story in the live action segment neither in tone or theme the story in the live action segment was completely separate and it would just take a little break while you watched like 15 minutes of an animated show. (laughs) On Fridays, the animated segment would be a Legend of Zelda cartoon. Now to clarify what I mean by on Fridays, the show ran Monday through Friday from its premiere date of September 4th, 1989 until it ended December 1st, 1989. In total, there were 52 episodes with 104 segments and 13 Legend of Zelda specific episodes that were broken into to 26 segments this means for one season that lasted about three months there were 65 total episodes of the super mario brother super show but to be fair this was not uncommon for cartoons at the time i actually looked up transformers it had a very similar structure it aired Three days a week. So this was just kind of how things were done back then, and I assume it was done because the show was in syndication. So you needed a large swath of episodes to be out. The cartoon segments are odd. Mario and Luigi and Princess Peach and Toad get up to some hijinks, and there are a lot of references to pasta. Literally, everything is a pasta pun. There are also random parodies of movies. Uh there would be a plot based on Star Wars, a plot based on Indiana Jones, and these parodies would also feature King Koopa as the enemy and he would be dressed up to match the parody and he would be referred to as the parody. Like in the Star Wars one he's called Darth Koopa instead of King Koopa and he wears like a Darth Vader helmet.
1: They're very strange. They're strange in retrospect but during the time of release they were popular to culture.
0: Right, it was popular to culture, but strange in retrospect because I imagine they really didn't know what to do with Mario storylines <laughs> because there there was only like one or two games out at the time. So like, really, what can you do when you have 65 episodes of Mario? The Legend of Zelda segments were also fairly different in tone than the games, which in all fairness, there were only two Zelda games at the time and neither of them had consistent tone. Link in the show comes off as whiny. He frequently says the line, Excuse me, princess. Which, according to some sources, was based on a Steve Martin routine. Well, excuse me! In an interview with screenwriter Eve Forward for Nintendo Life, she stated that the reason behind this line was because Robbie London. Deke's VP of Creative Affairs, basically forced the writers to include it because he really liked Steve Martin's routine. So he was like, you have to include this line. I love this line. And Eve decided to make fun of London's request. She was going to put it in every single episode of The Legend of Zelda show, um, hoping that he would get annoyed by it and ask them to remove it. But he did not. So... (laughs) It remained in all the episodes.
1: Uh, Robbie London sounds like the kind of guy who said that line at the office. Oh, he probably <laughs> ironically, is. like He just is like walking down <laughs> at the water cooler. Well, excuse me. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Now, uh, reportedly the writers were also not given any guidelines from Nintendo beyond a character bible, which just had some like images of what the characters would look like in their names. They would just incorporate stuff that they liked and come up with their own storylines. This likely explains why in the Zelda cartoon, there are two pieces of the Triforce, not three, which is weird because it's still called The Triforce. Eve Forward has also stated that they would sometimes pull storylines from an ongoing Dungeons & Dragons game that they were in. Uh, She also noted that they were inspired by Sybil Shepard and Bruce Willis's relationship in Moonlighting, a popular TV show at the time, when coming up with the relationship between Zelda and Link. And just as one of my favorite little anecdotes from the interview I was reading, Eve recounted a time where she was working on the scripts and Andrew Hayward realized that he had never read any of the Zelda scripts. He basically basically came into like their office and was like i've been ignoring you guys because i've been focused on mario and uh he sat down and read every single script that they have for legend of zelda then like all of them back to back to back and eve was per her own words really worried that he would catch on to jokes and innuendos that they had snuck in and would call her out on them and like essentially like rip the scripts a new one because they were including all these jokes that they probably shouldn't include in a children's show and apparently andrew read through every single one of them Looked up and said, Everyone's a gem. And then he just walked out.
1: Now, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show had two theme songs. The opening was called the Mario Brothers Rap, which you may have heard if you watched the 2023 animated movie, or you may be listening to it right now.
0: We're the Mario Brothers, and plumbing's a game. We're not like the others who get all the fame. If your sink is in trouble, you can call us on the double. We're faster than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers.
1: Uh, The rap was composed by uh, Haim Saban of Power Rangers fame, Andrew Dimitri Troff, and Shuki Weavey, I really like that Haym Saban was involved in writing this rap.
0: He had ties to Deke, so that's why I think
1: he... Yeah, 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 yeah. They just brought him in when they needed some, like, creative juices. Now, the other song was called Do The Mario, and would play during the credits, and it was performed by Lou Albano in front of a green screen, and it is as great as that is, and we'll probably cut in some songs of Do The Mario now.
0: Do the Mario swing. From side to side Come on, it's time to go Do the Mario Take one step And then again Let's do the Mario All together now
1: You got it Now, during the animated segments, covers of pop songs would play, but these were removed for the DVD release and replaced with instrumental music. One of the songs covered was Working for a Living by Huey Lewis and the News, and had to be removed from later rebroadcasts due to inappropriate language, swear words, reference to illegal drugs, references to sex work, etc. Speaking of illegal things, Lou Albano recorded a series of PSAs in character as Mario for the Family Channel. They covered topics such just stealing guns and knives fingerprinting and strangers uh since it was for the family channel they were all against these things
0: <laughs> yeah they weren't very pro guns and knives
1: it was not lou Bono telling people how to steal
0: it'd be funny if it was like lou Bono being like hey kids mario here if you got a pack heat do it with a gun don't do it with a knife <laughs>
1: However, Albano also recorded a PSA as Mario for WGBS Philly, where he tells uh, you if you do drugs, you're going to go to hell.
0: I'm Captain Lou Albano talking to you about drugs. Kids, don't be afraid to say no. Anyone that asks you to use drugs is not your friend. Drugs can and will kill. Remember, don't be afraid to turn to your priest, your rabbi, your minister, your moms, your dads, your teachers, because drugs can kill. And if you do drugs, you go to hell before you die.
1: Please. After the show ended in December of 1989, a follow-up series was created called The Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3. This show would lose the live-action segments and lose Albano and Wells as they were recast. Now, Walker Boone was cast as Mario and Tony Rosado was cast as Luigi. Uh, This new show was shown alongside Captain N, the Game Master, which is something that our friend of the show, Josh, really likes.
0: Yeah, he has a Patreon-exclusive podcast where he's been going through episode by episode uh, of Captain, of Captain N. N. yeah.
1: It was in an hour-long plot called Captain N and the Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3, which is a mouthful. The structure of this would be one segment of the Mario show and then Captain N, and then it would close out with another Mario segment. When the show would eventually rerun, it would be split from Captain N. As the name implies, the show was influenced by Super Mario Bros. 3, with items and enemies being taken from the game. However, unlike... The the game the episodes would be set in the real world like new york or dc the adventures of super mario brothers 3s would go on to have 13 episodes in total with 26 segments each episode being split into two parts it would run from september of 1990 until december of the same year apparently uh lou Abano brought there was like 65 episodes of that show i know right yeah and then well 13 in all fairness, The
0: Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3 was not created for syndication. It was created exclusively for NBC, so it was probably allotted to a weekly broadcast. Now, from 1990 to 1991, there was a rerun block of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which featured new live action segments called Club Mario. This also did not feature Albano O'Wells. Instead, it had a new set of characters who were portraying teenagers that were just really into Mario. I think the plot was that they were like hacking into the signal of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and it would like cut to them in their room, and sometimes their like family members would walk in. Guests would occasionally show up in this show as well such as Deke CEO Andrew Hayward, who played a fictional version of himself. It was not well-received, uh, so future reruns would have the original live-action segments added back in. In 1991, a third show based on Mario was aired, Super Mario World. The show would keep the cast from Super Mario Brothers 3, but would change some elements to match the newer Super Mario World game. The show would add, for example... Yoshi, to the storylines, with some plots revolving around Yoshi as a character. Now, just as a bit of context, in the previous year, 1990, President George H.W. Bush signed into law the Children's Television Act, which was very important. It did a few things. One, it meant that children's shows had to be reworked to be more educational. Shows couldn't just be slapstick and humor and fart jokes another thing that it did was banned host selling host selling is when you watch a tv show based on a toy and between parts of the show they show ads for that toy so for example you watch the teenage mutant ninja turtles and then it goes to commercial break and you get an ad for the teenage mutant ninja turtles toy line that is host selling and that is illegal thanks to the children's television act not that this necessarily affected mario as there wasn't really a toy line going with mario a a lot of the guidelines that went into effect would change however the way the show was written as the show now had to be more catered toward having some educational value to it it couldn't just be weird parodies of star wars or indiana jones or have elvira show up for some reason
1: yeah i think that the the children's television act we've alluded to it a number of times especially when we talk about how saturday morning cartoons disappeared and this is part of the reasons why this is definitely the reason (laughs) because the children's television act prevented the marketing of toys and toy companies were paying for the shows
0: yeah exactly like the show that preceded it super mario brothers 3 super mario world ran from september until december and consisted of 13 episodes there would not be a fourth series of a mario show as nbc who carried both super mario brothers 3 and super mario world would pull their saturday morning cartoon block in 1992 so nbc said we're not doing saturday morning cartoons anymore So no more Mario. The same year, 1992, Super Mario World would enter into syndication with... Captain N, the Game Master, in a new animation block called Captain N in the Video Game Masters. In 1994, the Family Channel would repackage Super Mario World with the animated segments from the Super Mario Bros. Super Show, under the name Super Mario All-Stars, a reference to the Super Nintendo title of the same name. Oddly enough, prior to the creation of this package of uh, Super Mario All-Stars, the Family Channel was airing reruns of Super Mario Bros. Super Show, but played them at at a slower speed which is odd but it is noted in references to the reruns uh, I don't know if they played the live action segments at a slower speed but they apparently played the animated segments at a slower speed I wonder if it was because the episodes in total length were like 23 or 22 minutes long and they had to like slow down sections to get them to be like a full 30
1: <laughs> yeah or like a full 28 or whatever they needed to be
0: but um that's just the thing that they noted is that when it was rerun on the family channel it was slower
1: I was just looking up some stuff about the Children's Television Act and apparently uh, some of the broadcast networks uh, defined certain shows like the Flintstones and the Jetsons as educational because they had a message.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For the Flintstones, that was
1: <laughs> yabba-dabba-doo. <laughs> also, as soon as that work bell rings, you leave. <laughs> <laughs> so on release, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show garnered mixed reviews but high ratings. A September issue of of broadcasting had the show come in at 4.1 out of 12 for its television share, which saying that out of the 12 television box sets watching it, 4.1 of them were tuned into the Super Mario Bros. Super Show, which is actually pretty good. If you think about it, if you're looking at at 12 boxes, you're almost half of all televisions are watching Super Mario Bros. Super Show, assuming that television's a pretty wide market and that some people might be watching the news. Um, And it would be one of the highest for a first-run syndicated show in the following weeks though we would be bested by Chippendale Rescue Rangers and reruns of the Muppet Babies because people really like Chippendale Rescue Rangers and Muppet Babies more than the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. A lot of the rating shares for television, we don't talk a lot about television ratings and all that, a lot of the shares for televisions were done by Nielsen and the way that Nielsen does it is that Nielsen has Nielsen families where you would get a television cable box for from Nielsen, and Nielsen would record what shows you watched. This way, they could feed that data up and provide a share, because what Nielsen would do was they would just have enough people who were Nielsen families to represent a sample of a market. So they say, well, hey, we got like 150 people in this town. That represents this entire town. Whatever they watch, the whole town's watching, which is why it was important to be a Nielsen family when back, especially when I was a kid, because if you were a Nielsen family, you could dictate what shows literally stayed on.
0: There's like a Family Guy episode about that where- where they, like, find a Nielsen box and they, like, dictate the television...
1: Now, the drop in ratings and desire to target a new demographic when Super Mario Bros. 3 launched meant that the series evolved into what became the Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3, and eventually Super Mario World. Uh, reviews at the time critiqued Albano and Wells' acting, and USA Today called the show a surprising disappointment. The storylines were praised for their unique quality and humor, though some people felt it relied too heavily on slapstick. Now, another critique in a modern in modern age has been stereotyping of the Italian American as characters do somewhat stereotypical Italian-American accents and there's a large number of pasta puns. Now, despite this, the show has been remembered fondly by people who watched it at the time with most modern criticisms being towards the stilted writing and occasionally dated or cringy dialogue. The Legend of Zelda segments have been critiqued in the modern era. Some people have said that they are just as bad while others like uh, Michael uh, Mamano of the website Den of Geek who has called the show a guilty pleasure though he did call Link a whiny, obnoxious, barely competent creep.
0: In terms of its legacy, the Super Mario Bros. Super Show and the other Mario shows have had a life of their own despite their relatively short lives. Just to clarify for everyone, all three of these shows barely lasted a year total because they only ran from September till December and two of them only had 13 episodes total. (laughs) So these were arguably short-lived shows. However, they have been discussed in various modern publications and by online media. media personalities like the Angry Video Game Nerd or the Nostalgia Critic. It's interesting because, as noted, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show really did only air for a couple of months. But because it aired nearly every day of those couple of months in syndication and it was picked up for reruns, it has a memory that has outlived its existence. So, like, what I mean is, you probably, if you remember watching the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, you likely, and I don't want to assume anyone's age or anything like that, but I'm going to guess a majority of people watched it either in syndication on a random channel or in reruns. I'd be interested to see what the actual ratings are for people who watched it in the original run when it was on four days of week in the year of 1989. Now, in later years, animated sequences from all three shows saw a new life as content known as YouTube poops. Man, did I never expect to be talking about YouTube poops in an episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. YouTube poops were a trend in early youtube they were basically what are better known as for lack of a better term posts they are goofy re-edited sequences from television shows that use like random visuals and uh, different audio effects and there's this one thing where they'll like repeat a certain word that someone might say really fast so it becomes so unintelligible or it sounds like buzzing oh
1: yeah like or Pingus.
0: it Pingus is from youtube poops from sonic adventures of sonic the hedgehog snoopy as
1: usual I see.
0: One of these sequences was from Super Mario World. It was a scene from an episode where Luigi is taking care of baby Yoshi and Luigi says to Mario. That's Mama Luigi to you Mario. And this would eventually lead to all of these jokes and videos like all different things where it's like the audio's twisted and bent around but what it would really lead to my favorite thing is there was a fan project that reanimated the entirety of the Mama Luigi episode from start to finish with animators doing like every 10 seconds or something it is amazing and it is you can watch it on youtube it's a great little thing the shows have also been brought to home video where they saw a life of their own outside of tv shows i mean if you think about it people like seth and myself we didn't have extended cable growing up so to watch some shows that were made by deke which aired on places like toon disney or um, on channels that we didn't have we often had to watch shows via home video going back to VHS releases as far back as 1989 where they did a line of tapes from kids classics Buena Vista home video uh, would also release a VHS tape set in 1994 with some Christmas themed episodes and uh, most of the home releases for the Super Mario Bros. Super Show do not contain the live action segments just the animated segments though Shout Factory did put out a DVD release of the Super Mario Bros. Super Show with the live action segments and they also did DVD releases of the Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3 and Super Mario World. The Legend of Zelda cartoon has also been released separately on home media, getting its own line of VHS tapes and also a Shout Factory DVD release, which is currently out of print. Actually, all of the Shout Factory, Mario, and Zelda DVDs are out of print. The adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3 and Super Mario World are also currently available to be watched on Paramount Plus. So if you have Paramount Plus, go check them out. They're weird little shows. However, the Super Mario Bros super show is currently not available on paramount plus it was on netflix for a bit though it was removed in 2021 though it is available to be streamed on voodoo which i've never heard of apparently you can purchase episodes through voodoo just google super mario brothers super show full episode i'm sure you'll find it well that will do it for our super mario brothers super show episode and it's sort of spin-offs um it was a topic i really wanted to cover and i'm glad we did. Uh, There are other video game television shows adaptations that I would also love to cover. Uh, Maybe we could have Josh back on to cover a bit of Captain N, the Game Master. I'm sure he would love to do that. But also, we still got to talk about the Sonic cartoons. There are three Sonic cartoons that all aired around the same time, and they all have the same guy as the Sonic voice actor, Jaleel White who played Urkel. Anyway, we're now going to get into our retro rewind. Seth had me play the game. I can't believe Seth had me play this game. Catfight, the ultimate female fighting game for Windows. Originally released in 1996, developed by Phantom Card. It is a Mortal Kombat clone featuring a full woman cast who have been uh, digitized. That's uh, like actors digitized into sprites. The game's aesthetic is pretty much Mortal Kombat down to the blood and fatalities. Though I couldn't figure out how how to do fatalities the fighting itself was okay but the game had a very sexist vibe about it <laughs> that i was getting i mean the fact that it's called cat fight and it's women fighting is like a kind of a sexist thing about it. So I did a quick Google and apparently a lot of people thought this. um, There was a review in the Daily Pennsylvanian that said it is the quote unquote number one sexist game ever created. It sure is saying something. However, in all fairness, Catfight, uh, I did find the controls actually pretty easy. For one thing, they're mounted to ZXC for your main combat and ASD provided your special moves. And I found the special moves to be easy to pull off. I was able to like do one by pressing like down left d over and over again and just would automatically spam like a fireball uh however one thing i really liked is the speed of the game so if the game was in a tiny window which it started in everything was very very fast (laughs) in fact it was so fast it was unplayable however if i increased the size of the window it would slow down incrementally so i could like full screen it and it would be mostly normal speed i don't know if this is just the way like Launchbox was emulating it but i thought it was hilarious does it hold up absolutely not next week, Seth, you can play Sonic 3D Blast for the Sega
1: Genesis. Great. Now, Zach had me play a wonderful game. Zach had me play Mega Man, but not for the NES, which would have been preferable. No, he had me play Mega Man for MS-DOS, also known as Mega Man 1999, for MS-DOS. It was developed by Steven Rosner, who used to work at Capcom, and I probably know why, he doesn't anymore, It <laughs> uh, was published by High Tech Expressions. It was the first Mega Man to be released for home computers, and it is bad. In fact, many reviewers at the time cited it as one of the worst ever PC games. Uh, it takes place after the original 1987 Mega Man game and two weeks before Mega Man 2, but you won't know this because for some reason you start the game at some weird weird blue racetrack where you're assaulted by weird blue dogs and you can only shoot slow moving bubbles and when i say that you're at a blue racetrack i mean the entire sky is this cyan color blue and your character is also a cyan color blue and the dogs that are attacking you are also cyan color blue
0: okay to be fair you were playing the game in cga mode which has like four colors available to it. One of those is cyan blue. The other one is white and the other one is pink. So, the game could be played in VGA where there's shading, and it looks better in VGA.
1: VGA mode looks pretty, but the game is still bad. Um, you shoot these small little bubbles, and then you get assaulted by dogs, and it's just comically hard, is what I would say. And I'm bad at games, and no, this is just not me being bad at games. It is comically hard. And the game is also silent, no matter what your settings are. So, you get to play this game in all the silence, except for the the blooping of your gun i don't think this mega man game holds up there's other mega man games that are better i would recommend you play them if you don't believe me uh you can check it out on yourself good luck um next week uh zach you can play the adventures of down under dan
0: Well, if you have memories of watching the super mario brothers super show maybe on a you know nice morning maybe or afternoon and you're watching it maybe a vhs tape a copy of it or you're watching a rerun on a saturday morning let us know send an email to classic brothers at gmail.com You can also listen to us wherever podcasts can be found, be it Podbean or iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, Classic Gaming Brothers, Instagram, Classic Gaming Brothers, X, CG Brothers Pod, Blue Sky CG Brothers Pod, and we're on Threads, Classic Gaming Brothers. You can check out our website, www.classicgamingbrothers.com, and be up to date with all the latest Classic Gaming Brothers news. We hope to see you at PAX, and with that, is there anything I am forgetting?
1: Don't play games like my brother.
0: And don't play games like my brother.
1: I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. That's right.